Um, I'm here with Isidore once again. This is 67. So. Oh my god. Um, yeah. Hello everyone. Alrighty. Well, I actually don't know what we're discussing. I think, I don't know, I was watching your, like, I don't know, five minutes ago I was watching your Stay Woke vlog, which I found yeah. very interesting. We always, we always seem to digress into everything, so... It's kind of good. No structure. We just get to talk about whatever comes up, I guess. Yeah, that's that's true. So I watched it, and of course, I I, I think I watched I've watched all three now. So yeah, um, that's so good. I found that I don't know. I I watched Black Mirror. Like I've watched I think the whole season. Yeah. Four season. Oh, it's, I, it's an amazing show. But I just recently mm. watched Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Which was... Uh, was yeah, weird. I actually... Yeah, it's scary. It was weird. I, I don't know. I couldn't... Uh, couldn't I actually studied the original Blade Runner movie mm-hmm. in year 12. And I was so scared. I don't even think I could get through the video. It was just one of those really dystopian movies that is just a really big struggle to watch. And I'm scared to watch the new one. I kind of want to, but at the same time, I feel like... It would keep me up at night. It blew my mind. Like, I, yeah, I, I walked. I, you know, I, you know, the movie's over. It's long too. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's like two and a half hours. Um, yeah. And it just goes through like I don't know. Like it just. It was terrible. I know. And the thing is, like horror movies, like I still can't deal with them. But at the same time, you know, it's never going to happen. But with these movies, it really like pinpoints exactly what's going on now. And how things that we think are so innocent and harmless now are going to be, like, the death of us. So consumerism and, like, scientific advancements, now it seems all fun and games, but, like, it's scary that that could be potentially our future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I, I feel like the, of course, I saw your, I just saw your video, so the 50 Million Merits episode. Yeah. I think that's. I don't know. I feel like that was. I don't know if it's um, to me. Consumerism is not terrible. It's not a bad thing. I think it's good for innovation and you know all that stuff. But you know, a lot of people have different ideas. Like it's the death of us. It's gonna yeah. be the end. It's gonna be you know. Um, I don't know about that, but it's so it's interesting. I don't know. Capitalism. Is- Look, there there are many positives to it. I mean, it's the reason why we have longer lives, more safe, healthy lives. But at the same time, there's been such negative connotations on consumerism because it kind of forces you to live a life that you don't necessarily want to live. It kind of forces you and brainwashes you to want things and feel like you need things that you don't need. And like living this life where you go to work, I know we talked about this before, but the whole nine to five rat race, they kind of make it seem like that's normal and that's natural to us. But really, it's actually really unhealthy and really unfair i see it as a major injustice and i know we're living these greatly privileged privileged lives and we're so lucky but at the same time that's not natural to us and we shouldn't be forced into that yeah but i i feel like that's like more of a social social construction you know what i mean like it's something that yeah of consumerism Mm -hmm. but if you think about like I, i mean japan has it a much difficult more difficult they have the seven days a week you work all the time you if you don't if you don't succeed um you're a failure that's like the 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 most yeah that is the extreme extreme. but then you can go to the opposite where people are living you know maybe in an island life the Mm -hmm. the opposite extreme where everything is a lot more fluent a lot more free you're a lot closer to where your food is grown and where you get all your resources and then they could look at us and say, can you believe that they've got nine to five working days? And they, you know, we admit to ourselves even, I hate this job that I'm in. I only look forward to the weekend, but it's kind of the only thing I can do t- in order to pay off my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's interesting. You kind of do it to survive. That's the first kind of, I mean, that's what any kind of construction is like. It's all about yeah. survival first, then than thriving and thriving is weird because you decide well i want this i want that i want i don't want this i want to do this I, you know it's like that yeah kind of strange thing. yeah it is really strange the thing about 
consumerism that I don't agree with is that it's not necessarily just for survival. They kind of posit that you need all these material things Mm -hmm. when in fact you don't. So the problem is it's not actually looking out for us. It's not actually got our benefits at heart. It's just trying to get us to buy things and be addicted to things in order to give money to the 0.01% of people who actually benefit greatly from consumerism, if that makes sense. Mm. That's kind of like a conspiracy theory, you could say, but it's it's really what's going on and a lot of people are suffering from it. Mm. I feel like that's, I don't know, it's such a strange thing because, you know, why don't we stop ourselves from doing that? Like, it's like, you know, you of course you get addicted. I mean... I'm on Twitter now, so it's like just. Like, yeah. I'm like I can't like I, I, Yeah. I, I'm just I'm like this this is not, I don't know I I think I spent like thirty minutes or forty minutes on Twitter, so it's just like, you're. It is addicting, and they and they, literally develop these technologies to be addicting. So they did all this research on the color blue that is used in Facebook and Twitter, and it stimulates your brain keeps your weight keeps you going like longer so you can spend more time on these apps like this has all been thought out it's very purposeful in order to get us to spend as much time and money as we can on these apps Mm -hmm. yeah and i find it i find you know i'm uh i'm more of like you know if i don't need something then i don't need it i mean people have like why do you have 10 things of the same thing? Oh, well, I have. To. I don't I don't think that's something that I look towards as like a goal. I think it's yes. weird when people look at that stuff as gold. Mm. Oh, I need to have three cars or I need to have this much money or I need to have this and that. I feel like that's such a, a weird way of looking at because like. Yeah, definitely materialism. Mm-hmm. And like I, I'm definitely a materialist in some sense. Like I love my clothes. I love makeup, like I love things that I don't necessarily need, um, which is you could say I'm, I'm a hypocrite, but at the same time, like you, it's not like a goal to have certain things. It's the goal, the goal for me is not to have just as much expensive clothing as I can have. And also I think it's good that we are questioning the society we're living in. And you were saying, you know, then what you kind of do. And that's what I struggled with to say in my video because I always I put forward a problem, but I always try and give some sort of a solution to kind of make it seem like, you know what, it's not the end of the world. But I really struggle with this because you can't really tell people to kind of go live an island life, you know, just run away from your job, run away from all your problems and just live in this alternate universe where you can relax and you don't need money and you don't need insurance, you know, things like this. So the solution I kind of came to was just a balance kind of move a little bit less, you know, in the consumeristic sense, a little bit more towards minimalism. That was kind of the only solution I could really give. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's about reconstructing your life. You know, when you look at things, you know, I mean, most people work nine to five jobs. So you go to work, yeah. you get there at nine, you get out at five. And, and you know, you know, when, you know, you're, it's a terrible job or it's something that you don't want to do when you're looking at time. You're always constantly like, oh, how yes. I got like two hours left. I got one hour left, blah, blah, blah. Or yeah. I have to get there. You know you're possible. not living if you're living for the weekend. Mm-hmm. That's what I always say. Like if you are just living for those two days at the end of the week when you can finally relax and that's all you look forward to, then what are you doing with the other five days? You know, like what a waste of your time and energy. That's how I think about it. Yeah, but I also, you know, I know people who have nine to fives that love their jobs. Oh, one hundred percent. Absolutely love them. I mean, I I know, and they're not like really not like you know extravagant. You know, it's not like they're, um, of course, such a beautiful singer or like this or that. It's like yeah, auto not in the entertainment industry yeah, or not anything. Not in the entertainment industry. They're auto mechanics. Like one of the people, happiest person I know, you know, is an auto mechanic. And yeah, that's so great. He, he doesn't, it's like, he doesn't care about the time. Like, he might work from 9 to 5, that's exactly what, what he gets paid, but he might go, like, an extra hour more, or, like, three hours more. He just, and he doesn't look at the time. He, he just focuses on the task and what he enjoys. And yeah. He just thinks it's fun and a lot of learning. You know, it's constantly uh, challenging. Um, I mean, like, that's, like, 
something strange that I found, you know, because a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I don't want to ever like disrespect or put down anyone who genuinely enjoys their job. I'm more looking at, I guess, unfortunately, the majority of people who are in jobs they don't like. And we have to think of this, not just the first world countries that we live in, Australia and America, like this consumeristic cycle relies on third world developing countries and exploiting them in order for their benefit as well. So it's not just it's wrong because people aren't enjoying their nine to five working days, you know, in their offices. It's also wrong because entire communities are being exploited and their human rights are being violated in order to satisfy the consumeristic desires that first world countries have. So it's actually a really, really huge problem that's outside of us and outside of our scope and and understanding. Mm -hmm. I I think that's something that, you know, some people do realize. I think we all know it, but we just don't point it out. It's it's like everything you do, it affects someone. Every product you buy affects someone. It doesn't matter. It's 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 near near to impossible to not yeah. have a product that causes yeah hurt or pain or whatever towards someone else. Because I mean, think of an iPhone or you know if you have a phone at all. I mean, yeah. th- those products are being mined by children most likely. Um, the T-shirts you wear, of course, there's ethical T-shirts. I mean, it's really of hard. Of course, to, it's really hard to say. Yeah, what, I mentioned in it? one of my videos, like you literally drive yourself crazy if you just track, trace back every single thing and be so, you know, proactive about everything you buy. Whilst it's good to make those steps, like you said there's nothing you can buy that didn't have some negative impact. And that's why I so strongly advocate for the few, you know, really easy changes we can make that just, it just makes a huge difference. So for example, like being vegan, you know, as, as much as people hate to hear it, it does help like incredible amounts. And also what I love doing right now is buying secondhand or my clothing is now secondhand that, that way there's no negative footprint on the environment and there's also no supporting of unethical brands like fast fashion. Just like simple things like that can help us so much. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I don't know, people, it, it's like money is like the only thing people want. Like it's like, oh, are you going to pay me? Are you going to, like, like, yeah. I always tell people like, like, it's just like, what is the most valuable currency? And some people like, always come up oh well this is the most valuable a dollar is the most expensive. i'm like it's not that it's your time that is like the most exactly thing it doesn't so true and people equate that to money like your time equals money that is that is just like something you people made up in order to kind of cope with like materialism and having to chase dreams and goals which i i advocate chasing your dreams before before chasing money it's not the that that it's bad to chase money, but it's it it it's not gonna make you happy. It really isn't. I mean, like, exactly. It's and that's always the struggle that I had, because of course my parents do want the best for me, and every I'm sure everyone out there can relate to this. But at the same time, they kind of want me just to get a job that I can be secure in, and I don't blame them. So instead of me sort of criticizing the fact that people want money because I know that that's what we're we've grown up knowing that money equals security equals health equals safety what I'm criticizing is the society is a structure that has made us so dependent on money to be happy and that is consumerism that is the society that calls on us to give everything that we have all our energy all our time to someone else in order to get back a little fraction of it and sustain you know, a subpar life. That's unfortunately the reality. And that's kind of what I'm criticizing right now. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's, it's always going to have to be a discussion. I mean, I feel like capitalism is the best system um, in terms of like, you know, Marxism, socialism. I I just don't feel like those things work in, I mean, of course they've been tried throughout history and they've failed and, Definitely, but who's to say that capitalism is successful? Is it like, in your opinion, is it successful? Uh, It depends on your definition of successful. I mean, like, and also depends on who you are, where you're at Mm. in the 
in the system if you are one of those exploited workers in a third world country that's being suppressed in order to help capitalism on the other side of the world then it's a really not it's really not a successful system but if you're like you or me like it, it seems like it's working out great because we are safe and we are healthy and when we're hungry we have food and you know when we're sick we have doctors to help us so from our perspective it is working but for many people it's not Mm-hmm. And, and I, but I also think you know I, I feel like this is you know I, I always have trouble you know putting this into words because it's always like I think life is kind of a game you're dealt a hand you're not really told you know I mean I was dealt a good hand of course I was born in a first world country that is that is miles yeah. above lots of other third of course any hundred percent so you're dealt a hand and you know this is the way I look at it and you know a lot of people have different points of view but when you when i think of it you're dealt a hand when you're dealt the hand you're you're going to go through this period you know from whatever till you can start thinking for yourself i mean if you think about it when you're a child you don't really know anything you're you're just trying to figure things out trying to learn um you're not really conscious enough um you don't yeah like you know i mean i, I don't know it's just not something that you know and then once you get to the early teens i think is when you kind of like start um having consciousness yeah like like you're starting to come forth and think about things ask yourself questions ask people questions um ask why 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 does this thing do that like why do we have to do this to do get that oh exactly and i think it's such a healthy thing for us to question that and it's kind of unfortunate that at the same time we're having all of these big epiphanies. They happen to be the same years we need to, you know, pick a degree and go into the career we want. And I think that's actually, you're so right. Like these are the same years that we question everything. That's why there's so much conflict often between teenagers and parents. You know, the teenager stereotypical is, you know, quote unquote naive in wanting a happy life where they don't need to work, you know, a, a job they don't want. But the parents are saying like, no, you've got to get something secure and stable. It's just such a big clash because we are questioning what, like our purpose. But at the same time, our society is going nuts. You've got to pick something, you know, from this list of jobs and just roll with it and become part of this structure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I just think we don't push certain things like, you know, philosophy is not hugely pushed. I mean, uh, I, you you're taking philosophy so i love that because you know yeah philosophy is near dear to my heart i mean i've i've i read so much like it's just you know i I, you know taoism is my probably my favorite subject in terms of philosophy because like you know you look at like the 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 system of like there's always going to be evil versus good and good you need you need each other to work to get to you know this is how it works you know, there's always. We should sides. definitely have a philosophical debate one day. Ah yes, uh, I don't. I, I feel like that. What, what, what is your opinion on like philosophy? Because it's like such a broad thing. Like there's so many things to it. Yeah, like I'm really like I'm struggling in this unit, but I love it. It is the best unit I've ever done. Like even on top of music, it's seriously so good. It's I think everyone should do a philosophy philosophy unit, and it sounds boring. But it's actually questioning everything that you know, and it's so interesting. Like, I never, this is going to sound so naive, but I never thought about the fact that maybe we don't have a soul, maybe we are just physical beings, and we're not actually employing free will to make decisions. Like, to me, that idea never surfaced my mind. I just took it for granted that we have free will, we have a mind, we have a soul. But literally, I'm a minority in the class and believing that. And it's so interesting to debate what you think and see that there's a whole world of possibilities and we know so little. I honestly think going out of this unit, I will know less than when I began. I honestly think that. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it opens it opens more doors than it closes. The, yes, the exactly. Um, so you and other units, door. they say, yeah. And, and just like, you, you're just left completely stunned and confused. But all my other units, you know, for psychology, for example, you learn the content, you do a test, done. This one, it's like trying to tap into your mind and question everything you know. So you end up 
more confused than when you started. And I absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I find that interesting. And I mean, philosophy, I mean, from ethics to, to, you know, um, to other subjects, it just, it just, it's just so much into one thing. And it, it, it really is what constructed um, society, culture, and it's really... Definitely. What- it mandates everything. It has so many implications. So if we're, for example, talking about ethics or, you know, the mind-body problem, everything has an implication in science. There are, you know, legislation, the way we treat people. It's just so integral to humanity. I'm just so passionate about it now, like you, and I really think everyone should take up a philosophy class. Just read a little bit. Just expand your understanding of the world. Mm -hmm. It's always interesting to me. I mean, you you were mentioning about this the the soul so so i i don't know what you i don't uh, what do you think about that like do we have a soul like is there something there? <laughs> do, do i, have I to? just did an essay on this actually i um argued for dualism which mm-hmm. is the understanding that we have a body uh, a body a mind and a body um yeah see so yeah, i'm just going crazy with this um and i fought against the identity theory and functionalism which say that they're basically deterministic theories whereby everything in your body is physical. There is no mind. Everything is just based on causality, you know, things that happened in your life and every decision isn't actually your decision to make. You're just basically a robot playing off experiences and biological changes in your body. It's a very depressing way to look at the world. I didn't argue against it because it was depressing. I argued against it because I do genuinely think there is something immaterial about humans. Mm-hmm. And it's quite interesting. I hate science, but for some reason I latched on to quantum mechanics. I don't do you, do you know what quantum mechanics is? Of course, I'm a, a huge nerd of science and physics and all that stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, good. So I won't have to go into the very well, maybe just for the people listening. Mm-hmm. It's basically studying the quanta, which is the most minuscule matter. It's it's the tiniest thing on earth, basically. And I tried to argue how in quantum mechanics there is a level of immateriality, if that's a word. It just there's a level of um, phenomena that cannot be explained by, you know, physics, by science. And I tried to argue that we have a level of quantum mechanics you know playing in our mind if that makes sense that's the stance that I took and I'm still waiting to see how I went on the essay probably didn't do too well at it but I was so passionate about it and I feel like there are so many similarities between quantum mechanics and the mind in that there are just phenomena that cannot be explained by science cannot be explained by the material things in life and therefore I came to the conclusion that Maybe we do have something immaterial about us that is our soul, that is our free will, that is our mind, and it separates us from the material things in our world. Mm-hmm. I, I feel sort of the same way. I mean, there's a little few things that I like. I don't know what the other side is. It's like quantum mechanics. Of course, you can discuss it. And I mean, my favorite thing is quantum entanglement. How you know? Yeah, Shoulder's I actually mentioned that. Is like, uh, you know, this, it's alive and dead, and it's this and that. Like, it's such a confusing concept, but it's, yeah. it's something that it's not really, ex- you cannot explain it, even though you know how it no. works, but you don't know That's why. That's what's frustrating you because you, you can say, okay, give me proof that there's a soul. And you say, well, I, I kind of was stuck. I was like, your idea of proof and evidence is science. And science is a study of something physical. And I'm trying to prove to you there's something non-physical. So you cannot use the tools of science to evidence what I'm trying to evidence, if that makes any sense. So I was, I felt very disadvantaged because, you know, they're looking, or my lecture, for example, looking for proof, looking for journal articles and experiments. But that's not, those aren't the tools that you can use to find something immaterial. So it's really, really hard to argue for the stance that we hold that there is something immaterial. Mm-hmm. But there's no, that's the problem. There is no method to solve. No, problem. there isn't. So if you don't have a, a, a way to solve 
uh, the, the the mathematical equation or the reason why, then you need to come up with the the the, the thing to solve the problem. You don't have exactly the tools. You don't have the knowledge. You don't know why. I mean, people use the scientific method like th- that is like uh, you know. I always talk about like you know a philosophy. It's always about you know science versus religion, and I always think, well, let's let's go to the beginning. You know the way yeah. both of these things start. If you think about it, oh, with the Big Bang, it's from nothing, absolutely nothing. And you read the you read the first paragraph of the Bible. It's the exact same scenario, just worded differently. So yeah, when you look at that, it's like well, they both start in the same place. One just has this this different way of doing things. The other has stories that give you uh, moral concepts gives you kind of like wh- how you should live your life and these you know yeah comes with commandments and rules and this and that and that's why people really love religion that's kind of what i i'm not religious but i totally understand why anyone would be i don't put anyone down for having religious beliefs because it's what gives them purpose in this confusing world it's what gives them structure like you said it gives them kind of this set of rules to go by and it really gives them purpose comfort and like why wouldn't you want that that's what humans crave and so of course they lean towards institutions like religion that give them exactly what they want and philosophy is that for me I guess it's except it doesn't give me the answers it just gives me a platform through which to debate what you know the purpose of life is what we are doing here you know like what humans are supposed to be doing and why we act the way we do that's why i love philosophy so much what is the purpose of life in your mind oh that's a confusing question you know i thought i knew it but then every time you you think you know it you don't you know what i mean like something else comes up i think I'll say what I would have said maybe before I started this unit because then everything changed. Um, So I was very, I was a lot more spiritual um, and I came to the conclusion that our purpose in life is to connect with the earth, uh, to connect with other people, to connect with animals, to connect with the earth, our energies and ourselves. It was all about connection. That was the key word for me. Um, I did a lot of philosophical thinking before doing this class and I wrote a lot about the purpose of life and I kind of realised, I I looked at it in a kind of deductive reasoning sort of way. At the end of the day, what would you regret not doing if you were to die? And for me it was not knowing who I was. I really, I've never experienced a spiritual awakening but I do know people that have And I feel like there is a universe inside each of us. Look, I'm just going back to my spiritual roots again. There's a universe in our minds and you can access that through meditation, through spiritual awakening, through just sitting in a room by yourself and learning an infinite amount of things just by delving within yourself. And so I thought that if we all have that ability and it makes us more wholesome, happy people, then our purpose must be to delve inside ourselves and understand who we are, our energies, and connect those energies to other people. Now, all was going fine for me when I was thinking that. I was like, yep, I understand everything about the world. I, I, no, I, I always thought that there's always going to be something, I don't know, leave it into the hands of whatever that energy is in our world. But I was pretty happy and then... I think a few weeks before I started it, my dad was like, we, we talked about it and I was talking about energies and how you can connect to other people. And he goes, what do you mean? I, I, don't, I don't think there are any energies. I think we're, all, we're purely physical. And I just sat there completely gobsmacked. I was like, what? what? What do you mean? Of course we have a mind. Of course we have a soul. Of course we have energies. And he was like, not really. I think we're purely physical creatures and we work purely on you know the chemistry within our bodies our previous experiences have led us up to every decision we we make so that it's almost like we're a robot and I'd literally never up until that point thought about it that way and everything changed then and I am a lot more skeptical about things now and I guess in that essay I just finished writing I 
tried with everything that I could to argue that we do have a mind and we do have a soul. So yeah, that's where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, I mean, the purpose of life, I don't think anybody knows what it is. I think people have like ideas, like I have my own idea what life should be. I think it's about... What do you think? Oh, okay. This is great. So I think life is about, of course, connecting, expanding. And it's not about the earth. It's about it's about the universe. I think the, the we need to... Mm go to the stars or whatever you you know Stephen Hawking would say or you know um Elon Musk would go into Mars like I think our 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 universe and I think we're a piece of it like each of us is a piece we're all a piece of this this great momentous movie that is happening before our eyes and <laughs> yes we are building at a, a an astonishing rate I mean if you look a hundred years ago and to now we have rocket ships we have flown to the moon we are going to Mars in about 10 to 15 years depending when we get there it, it's it's you know we, I think it's hard for us to comprehend because we have especially when you're much younger you know you, you you've only seen so much and you talk to someone who's you know been on the earth 40 50 years they have a lot more recording space is the way i always do it because you know i don't think age determines wisdom i think it's about what you learn how you learn it this the the things you learn so i think that's a a terrible argument because it's not it's not construction but i always think like it's us shooting for the stars it's us expanding it's us learning it's us innovating it's us building i mean think about wow so your focus on purpose of life is more so expansion outside of yourself and outside of the world that Mm -hmm. we know and gaining more understanding that's really great Mm -hmm. and i i I always think that you know there's always going to be conflict i mean if you think about it, you're always going to have opposing ideas. Like that's like the number one thing. You Definitely. nobody nobody ever tries to get that third idea or the third party to to be successful. It always have to be exact opposites. You know, if it's fire, it's water. If it's this and that, exactly. It's, it's not. It, it's constantly the, changing. I always say the danger of dichotomy. That's kind of like a tagline that I keep coming back to. Sort of how exactly what you're saying everyone tries to split everything into polar opposites and have them tackling against each other and I guess a kind of a third conclusion I I would come to in this situation is that our purpose must be to find our own purpose which sounds so counterintuitive but it's kind of like the journey of life as cliche as that sounds is the purpose of it in discovering what makes you happy, you have achieved your purpose. The discovery process, the the individualistic purpose that we all have, we cannot set a criteria that every human must abide by, which is also one of the reasons why I do think we have something immaterial about us because we are so different. It cannot possibly just come down to our material makeup there must be something so infinitely different about us that can only be explained by something like a soul and a mind. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I have, I mean, like, I'm open to all ideas, like nothingness. I mean, that some people say that this is, life is, you know, there's no real purpose. You just live and die, blah, blah, blah. I'm open <laughs> to that. I mean, it sounds terrible because you, you, you don't want something to, you always need, like, everyone wants to know why. It's like a yeah. constant question you want to ask, but maybe there's not a reason why. Like maybe it's just because, just because, and people are very scared of that, especially when, when it's just a, a terrible cut. It's like game over. It's done. Definitely. And then once. You and get- you know what? Everyone in my class thought I would. They they kind of looked at me like that. Oh, look at this new new girl, because I I just went straight into a third year philosophy class, and everyone else. Most other other people had a lot more experience and they kind of looked at me like, oh, look at the, you know, naive, dualist, spiritualist girl. Like she's going to, she's in for a wild surprise. Um, and they kind of thought that the only reason I hung onto these dualist ideas was for comfort and to give me a sense of comfort and, and purpose. But it, it isn't for me. I, I, in this essay, you can kind of tell it's because I genuinely do think we have something immaterial about us. But, yeah, a lot of people do kind of think in a dualist way because it is comforting, but that's not the only reason why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to say because I, 
I'm 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 a dualist as well, just because it's uh it's something that I mean, I don't say that there is any energy voodoo whatever you want to call it. I mean magic. I mean like I you might as well call quantum mechanics magic. Um, they're they're pretty much the same. They're not understood. If something's not understood, I say, oh, that's magic. Yeah, that's what's so interesting. It's saying if that's magic, then and it forms the basis of everything in life. Mm-hmm. Then maybe there is an element of that in us. Mm-hmm. And the, the the issues with those is when it 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 destroys a law that we already know. You know, like the law of gravity. The, you know, you yeah. don't wanna if if you break something, you can't break something with making something new. You have to have something work with the other thing. And that's usually how we solve problems. Um, but I also think that yeah. you know, we're learning, we're constantly figuring things out. I mean, um, I mean, research, I mean, the people who do research and learn all these things that, you know, make phones better, make laptops better, make your, just make things faster and more innovative and do things that you never imagined. I mean, um, one of my favorite, most appealing theories, I feel, is the stimulation theory. I mean, if you if you think about it, like that is the most likely scenario in terms of statistics-wise. You know, in terms of the scientific method, um, most likely we are living in a simulation that this is being run by something. Um, that, that that this is just a kind of a pre-recorded game, but you're in the game and you can make your own decisions. There is free will, and there also is a control. I mean, you're controlled in many ways. You're controlled by the law of gravity because you can't fly. I mean, <laughs> that's just a, a simple thing. You know, you can't run 100 miles per hour. You know, there's there's, there's all these things that yeah, there's there, there's physical limitations. Yes, mm-hmm. but I think that whenever someone says they cannot fly, I'm I'm kind of the one that's like, oh, but can we? Like, I, I'm that annoying one. I think that there are limitations in the physical world. Yes, we cannot fly. That is a fact. But who's to say that there is not some really advanced, you know, meditation spiritualist guru who cannot close his eyes and really feel like he can fly? In our dreams, in our dreams, we can fly. And in this crazy philosophical sense, who's to say that dreams are not as real as our living and awake selves? And in our dreams, we can fly. In meditation, some people can fly. You know, I feel like that's something that, that, you know, it's your own world creation. It's your own simulation. It is a simulation. You're you're making a, a scenario where maybe it was from physical things that happened. Because, you know, th- my favorite quote by uh, Descartes is, uh, you cannot dream a dream you have never dreamed. And by that, what he means, I mean, it's such a complicated. Ambiguous, so philosophical. <laughs> you know, you can't dream a dream. Well, you can't dream something that you've never seen. The colors are going to be the That's colors. That's true. That you can never see a face or dream a face that you haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it might be strange. Like you might see some some octopus or like it's it's just you know if you think of people who've been through those kind of either um, meditation states or psychedelic states or what, whatever you want to call it, they've been through another universe or they've been transported, but they're seeing things. They're, they're they're not seeing something they've never seen before. The colors are the same. I mean, like, it's 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 so... That's such, true. Such an interesting thing that we dream. I mean, dreaming is such a... I mean, I dream I dream all the time. Like, every once in a while, it's like, oh, that's a weird dream. It's, you're actually very lucky. Like, I used to dream a lot, but I sometimes go through phases where I don't. Mm-hmm. And it's so sad because it is such an incredible thing. And it really goes, in my opinion, mm-hmm. goes to prove that there is something very spiritual about humans. We are able to dream and we can find dreams and we can, yes, in your argument is very, it's got a lot of truth to it. We can only think about things we've already seen, but we can create impossibilities in our minds. And that's such an incredible thing that humans can do. I don't think we really give ourselves enough credit for how amazing that is. We can imagine the impossible. I think that's actually a really beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And I think imagining the possible is what what will uh, kind of. Of course, you're you're not going to get there right away. I mean, like, there's not going to be massive change in milliseconds or days or whatever. You know, there's time. Time has a has a way of creating things like time restrictions limit the way we can. I think. 
dreams are simulations in that way. You're you're in control of everything pretty much. Um, you can uh, focus on anything and it, it becomes true. But once you're in a simulation with a bunch of other people who are also in the simulation and have the same uh, kind of effects or they can affect you in the same way or they, they, can, they can cause action. Uh, when you look at that, yeah. it's like, okay, well, we're all players in this game and we create the things now that will eventually be things that are science fiction. Science fiction will eventually become, I mean... We've landed on the moon. I mean, of course, there's a high, highly th- conspiracies and stuff that we did. But the fact that we're doing things that are... I mean, I'm talking to you from literally thousands yeah. of miles away. Um, so it blows my mind that people don't see how this... this and this you're going to record this to be shared with thousands of other people. Like, it's unbelievable. And it's not. it's not... It doesn't make any sense. I mean, I don't know how this works. Nobody knows how. Like, I mean, people do know how it works. I mean, I kind of have an idea. I know how this, this, in. But the communication part, it. I mean, this was science fiction 60, 70 years ago. If you look at 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah, exactly. There's. there's and that's another reason why people love the idea of science because it gives us really. Like, I remember when I was um, studying psych, some um, one of my friends said. I love psychology. I, I love research because it's the way to find truth. It's like almost the exact concrete steps to find truth. And that is so amazing. And I love science, obviously, for that. I mean, who wouldn't? But at the same time, I feel like we just need to understand that there is something science cannot accept. I feel like people look at me as a dualist in a kind of judgmental way by saying you only believe in that because you don't want to admit to yourself that, you know, things are out of your control. But I think it's honestly the opposite. I think that people who are materialists are the ones that struggle to admit to themselves that there is something that they cannot explain. Do you know what I mean? There's something outside of their reach, which is obviously something immaterial that the, you know, discipline of science cannot prove. So I actually think it's a complete opposite. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel the same way because I mean, I feel, I I, I kind of side with both because I don't know I feel like we put so much kind of labels on things you know you're either a dualist you're this or that I'm like yeah oh, I'm kind of both I'm kind of three you're a compatibilist you're mm-hmm. in the middle yeah I like I like both ideas like I can switch off both like you know but everyone wants to say hey you gotta be this gotta be that I'm like well what? I don't have to fall into one of those classes like it's not. You know, I always, religion is a big thing. I mean, when I was a kid, it was all about, I mean, you know, Christian school. I went to Catholic school. It's like, that's what you were taught. Um, and now I yeah, just... Yeah, me, me too. It was just, for me now, it's just not, like, I don't focus on that. Like, I feel like that's, that if you focus, just for me, it was just, you know, it was constant this, constant that. Like, I never thought to myself, like, this... I probably should do something else or like I think about something else. I think that's what yeah, definitely. philosophy opens uh, a door. I'm not atheist or uh, whatever the other thing is. <laughs> like, I'm just like, uh, I, like I have no stake in the game. Like imagine if that, you know, I just don't have any, don't have any re- engagement. Well, with I know you hate categories, but there is also one for that. And that's See, being an antagonist. Yeah. Is that an antagonist? Is that it? No, I don't think that's what it is, but it's hard to say what, what, you know, because we put like to put things in boxes, and when we put things in boxes, sometimes some things don't fit in your box. So you create a box where things you don't understand go in that box. And, yes. And I guess that's where I lie, and I don't know what that box is called, and people have names and. Um, agnostic. Oh my goodness, I'm oh, so sorry. sorry. <laughs> that's what it's called. Agnostic. Being ag- What did I say? Antagonist. No, mm-hmm. that's completely but, but, different. But that, that's like. Is that too agnostic? Where you've just you just don't know what it is, and frankly, you don't really want to know. You're just whatever. Mm, I don't know. I think there is some type of like. Uh, oh, did I just switch my video? I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there's like some type of thing that we can't explain. Like you know, it's just something. I mean, it's. Maybe it's God, maybe it's energy, maybe it's a simulation, maybe it's aliens and up in the air. It's just up in the air for me. Like I don't I don't I don't think I don't think that that's the question is too hard. That's the problem I have with it. It's yeah. too, you 
no so you're saying there's been hundreds of millions of billions of people maybe a trillion people i don't know how many people have been on the earth but they still haven't figured out how am i supposed to figure this problem out this is not exactly and that's why philosophers mm-hmm. are you know they never say that they know anything in a concrete sort of way they spend their entire lives tackling with issues that they kind of come to the conclusion that they'll never get to the end of mm-hmm. and you know people criticize them of course um it's so hard because people you know altruism is also a big i mean my favorite it's that lady i forget her name but she was always like like you can't really be altruistic because you're you're always going to get something out of it um so you're yeah not, you're, you, you know you get that feeling like you know you help someone out uh it gives you that good feeling like i help someone out so you're just not really altruistic you're getting something out of it it's enjoyment yeah i actually um listened to a podcast um from I'm going to butcher this French name, Mathieu Ricot or something, Ricard. Um, He's like dubbed the happiest man on earth and he talked a lot about altruism and how we in, you know, very individualistic societies like America and Australia, we focus on ourselves and this kind of bubble that we're in and he kind of highlighted the flaws in that because if we think in that kind of, you know, I just need to satisfy myself sort of way, it's not really compatible with our reality and we need to just remind ourselves that we are connected to absolutely everything and have this kind of altruistic sense of everything we do impacts someone else and we cannot live without other people. And it was just really interesting. It really links to what you're saying. But I also think, you know, um, people don't really, like, you know, we think we're all good. Like, we're all good people, right? And I'm always saying, like, you know, you don't know your how good you are until you know your capacity for evil. If you know what I mean, like it's like you're capable yeah. of ter- her- terrible, horrific acts. And if you don't realize that you're t- capable of those things, um, people always go to the block. Like I would never do that. Well, like never. Like in certain situations, you would not do the things that would keep you alive. Or but we're humans, so we're very easily mm-hmm. brainwashed. Uh, it's hard to say because I'm like, oh, well, I don't know what I would do in that situation. Like, nobody really knows. Like, everybody has a game plan until it happens. And it, it's really the, the whole thing. Like, I think having a game plan in certain situations is a great thing to have. Like, you know, it's it, it, it gives you a way to react to certain things that may be unexpected. Yeah. And a lot of people don't. Have you heard of the, the Milgram experiment? I think it is. Oh, Milgram, which I don't remember what that it, was. Um, it's kind of like a psychology experiment where they had um, students or whoever it was. They were given all of this control, all of these controls to electrocute someone they didn't know in another room. So they were like separated by a glass box, and the researcher would stand above them and say, "Okay, like turn up the dial to one." And the researcher would fake being electrocuted, um, but obviously the um, no one knew that they were faking it. And then the researcher would say, okay, now go up to two, go up to three, and ten would literally kill them. And um, they asked them to go all the way up to ten. And their hypothesis was, you know, no one in their right mind would listen to the researcher and kill this person. But I think the majority of people actually did. Like and it was they, – they went all the way up to ten um, – on the dial and, and killed, you know, they didn't actually kill them. They were faking it, but they didn't know that it was all a, like a, a joke. They thought they were genuinely harming this person. And the majority of people actually did go all the way up to 10 mm-hmm. and or go up to the maximum number, whatever it was. And it showed that it's not just psychopaths who are capable of doing incredibly horrible things. It's literally the normal person is capable of doing anything if they're brainwashed into it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, of course, that that's something people don't want to admit. You know, you might like, like I use this terrible example one time. I I don't know why I said because it's insensitive and you're not supposed to say these things. And I feel like, <laughs> oh, I should hold myself to a better stand. Yeah, whatever it is, this is a podcast I, to say it. I said, I I forget. I said this once to someone. I don't know why I said it because like like I don't like being mean to people because I'm like. Meh. You know, I don't want people to be me. Treat yourselves as others would be treated, whatever, the golden yeah. rule. But I decided, hey, 
well, I was like, well, right now you're, I, I think I was probably like 17 or 16, something. I was like, you're 16 right now. You might grow up to be like Hitler. Like, that's just like what I said to him. <laughs> and I was just like, man, that's messed up. But it, I was like. Yeah. But it is kind of true. Because, mm-hmm, you know, Hitler started off as a child. He was innocent. He, he, you know, he was fed ideas by other people. And then, you know, influence is huge. Like, who influences you? It's people you watch, you see, you you interact with. These are the people that you kind of become. I mean, that's why you're like your parents sometimes. You know, you have the same kind of thing. Yeah. Um, or your friends, especially when you start ha- having friends outside of whatever yeah, and back to dualism versus determinism. Determinism is, is basically saying the implication of it is no human is morally responsible for any of their actions. So Hitler isn't responsible. It's not his fault he carried out these things. He's basically a robot. And all of the decisions he made, all of the words he said, are just a result of the chemical reactions in his body and all of the events that led up to it. So they also think theoretically if you had all the information in the world you could predict exactly what someone will do and exactly how this world will be in a year or so and that's kind of they they kind of people assume dualism is sort of trying to defend humanity but it's kind of a lot more of a positive spin on it and it's kind of you know like the moral responsibility is such a hard thing with determinism because they're saying there isn't any and no one can be blamed for what they do and, for example, exactly like you're saying, any kid can grow up to be Hitler because it's out of their control. It's just on who they listen to, on what they, you know, what they're exposed to. It's not a choice anymore. Mm-hmm. But then I also have a problem with, like, it's robotic, it's this and that, right? Well, you're saying that it's all predetermined and everything, like, right, that? Uh, that, that, that is, I don't know, I feel like that's a, kind of a straw man argument. Like, it's not... It's not something you really can justify because there's infinite possibilities. And when there's infinite, you know, you think about a field. Yeah, well, playing devil's advocate, like, as I was told by everyone in my class <laughs> when they realized I was a dualist, that it's very hard to argue that that isn't the case because theoretically if we did have all of the information about our past life and our biology, we could potentially predict what someone would do if, if we didn't have that mind then we would be like very very highly advanced mm-hmm. robots see that's and we could predict what we're going to do i think you could be more accurate but i don't think you can always be under like you know I can, yeah that, so, well, that was my argument you can never know for sure like you can get to a certain like the, think of like the the the, the, the a percentage nine nine point the ninety nine point nine nine that is close as you can get to infinite in terms of there's a limit that the limit is the infinite and once you get to the infinite i mean yeah it's hard to comprehend that there's infinite scenarios and infinite ways this can play out um and infinite ways that we could have had this conversation yeah but, that, that's what I argued. But if we know what we're going to say before we say it, um, it, it is possible to determine things. I mean, you react to things rather than knowing what. So I don't think the information would. I mean, it doesn't work with people. It just doesn't. Um, it works with lots of other things. Um, computers, it works with this and that. And eventually, yeah. maybe you might be able to get to that 99 percentile and know exactly near to exactly what someone's going to do but i don't yeah i don't i don't i don't know i but i don't buy that cheese i don't buy the, the what they're selling <laughs> i honestly didn't either it was really really shocking to hear because i thought as naive as i was that going into a metaphysics unit which is what the the unit is that there'd be lots of spiritualists there i was totally wrong i realize now i was so stupid I, I'm literally maybe one of two or three in my class of, let's say, 25, 30, who believe in dualism, mm. which is ridiculous. It's unbelievable the amount of people who really, truly believe and have just accepted that they're very highly advanced robots and with the infinite possibilities. They believe that there is only one trajectory of life. There's only one possibility. And they can theoretically know what that is by having all the information in the world. Mm, 
I see. I always, ha- I always have that because, even then, it's also how do you process all that information? I mean, theoretically, you theor- could the- theoretically you could in their mind that information oh, in their understanding uh, in a computer science kind of terms. If you processed all that information, it has to be si- simultaneously. It cannot be at. Um, yeah, they're not saying it's going to be easy to do it, but they're saying that if there was the possibility of it, theoretically, mm-hmm. if we had all the information, then we could predict the future. Um, and I like you. I, like you, I said, okay, you can predict a lot of it, but there's always going to be a percentage that you don't know, and that's where quantum mechanics came to me um came into my argument because at the quantum level there is like a there is a level of unknowingness there's this probability left or right one or two there's always going to be an unknowingness about it you cannot predict things at the quantum level and seeing as the quantum level makes up everything in our universe there must be a level of things that we, you know, a level that we don't understand. And I believe that a part of that is concentrated into some sort of mind. It sounds crazy, but that's that's the crazy argument that I made. Mm-hmm. But then I also see that, like, I, 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 I'm, I'm, uh, I mean, everybody has their own kind of system of psychology, you know. Some people are more open to ideas. Like, I'm so open to ideas. Like, you could throw me the Yeah, worst. you are. The worst idea ever, and I'd be like, "Huh, that makes sense, somewhat." And then I would be like, "Okay, that's well. a good trait to have." And I think that's something that a lot of people don't have. It's not openness. You know, you're not open to new ideas. A lot of people just, "Oh, well, my idea is better than yours, so I win." Yeah, and it's about that's why winning. I did philosophy to open my mind to new possibilities. Yeah, and the 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 the, the, the opening. Is like it, it just opens so many ways and like it could destroy your <laughs> it, world it can literally yeah it world. went a little bit too far i mm-hmm. i definitely got that goal and more i just don't even know anything now that's the conclusion i think all philosophers come to is that you know what i know nothing but that's it <laughs> everybody in human history knows nothing in terms of what what are we doing here what are, you know what's going on um, yeah that's true but we understand some things. I mean, I don't know what. Yeah, and, and I mean, you could like um, a religious person. I'm sure you will have viewers who are religious, and I think it's incredible they have such strong integrity in their purpose of life, mm-hmm. and that's why people do go towards religions because it gives them that sense of comfort, knowing that you know I know what I'm here for. There is something beyond this life. And I, it's actually, it's actually a really beautiful thing. And I'm not religious, but I, de- I have so much respect for people who have that um, spiritual understanding. And I have, I have friends who are Christian atheists. That is oh, like the, I don't even know what that is. Ah, see, this is this is. I don't know if this is a new thing or it's something that just came up. It's when you understand, um, understand Christianity. And you're, but you're an atheist. You know, you understand the morals, the the the, the, the stories behind. Oh, that's the actually pretty cool. Uh-huh. I guess I could be classified as that as well. I, mm-hmm. like you, went to Christian schools, and I, you know, was raised a, like a Christian. But through my own sort of questioning, I realized that it wasn't really something I fully believed in. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's it's hard to say. I mean. I mean, there's so many philosophers that I'm like, oh, they're great. And I mean, everyone has their pitfalls in terms of like thoughts and ideas. And it, it's really interesting to see that I have those same pitfalls in my ideas. Um, and also my favorite, of course, hopefully nobody, I don't want to offend anyone, but the, my favorite quote is, of course, uh, by Nietzsche. It's, uh, God is dead and we killed him. Well, most people say just God is dead. <laughs> And the, it's like the end of the story. It's like the, the closing chapter. But, you know, if you read the whole quote, it's God is dead and we killed him because. Oh, that's powerful. And it's interesting because, you know, when you see someone that wrote, wrote this two, three hundred years old. I mean, there's certain philosophy books that philosophers that I know philosophers don't understand. And I'm like, who writes that for that person? Like, who's the, who are they writing this book for? Like, 
do, if you never think about it, like there's certain complicated books that I'm like, who is writing this for someone to read? Or are they just writing it to to be astonished people for 500 years? Um, but Nietzsche's always been one of my favorites, and it's because he, you know, when someone predicts something and it happens, and like it's like, oh my god, wow, you predicted that, like. How did you know that person was going to win? Or how did you know this was going to happen? Mm. And they give you the breakdown. And Nietzsche was like talking about how divinity was going to rise up and conquer and the crusade. He predicted the crusade like a hundred years before it happened. Wow. Like, like you're talking about. I need to read up on this. Um, he's a, he's a master. I mean, of course, Jung is also a master. It's like these, like there's these masters that you all have different ideas. And of course we have modern philosophers and, it's hard to say which because if you think about philosophers every philosopher i don't care who you are i mean if we all have philosophies in our life you're a part Mm. of other philosophers philosophy if you think about it you you got your ideas you got the idea for dual what is i forget how to say it dualism (laughs) dualism from someone who actually invented or thought of it or whatever created it or whatever but you always build on someone else that's what science that's what anything you're building on top of giants and other giants and other people will start innovating more and more. You never you never start from nothing and you know, you're grabbing knowledge from all areas, trying to come come and make your own building. And it's like grabbing pieces and figuring things out and saying, Hey, well his idea worked, well I don't think that worked very well, so I'm not I'm gonna get Nietzsche's, I'm gonna get Young's, I'm gonna get like it's it's such an amazing wow. You have to link tools. me um, all of these things after. Oh yeah, it's it's so fascinating. I mean, one of my favorite current philosophers. I mean, there's so many. I mean, there's good philosophers now. I mean, my philosophy teacher was a uh, who was blind, which I found fascinating because he was literally blind. And he, wow. He's teaching philosophy, and you know, it, he sees the world a little differently. You know, he he, he yeah. He thinks about other things rather than that. But it's so interesting to me. You know, all these people that that kind of built philosophy into what it is now and the debates the you know especially now there's so many good philosophers i mean jordan peterson is probably one of my favorites um i mean he's a psychologist but he I, he's a philosopher in my mind he breaks down the bible he breaks down the he breaks down wow I, i'll send you and that's uh, so amazing that we're becoming so much more open-minded to philosophy younger generations are getting into it because it actually helps us so much develop who we are even makes us more open-minded more understanding it's such an incredible tool and, and it's interesting to see like um of course i'm gonna send you a dr peterson's so yeah. one of his, his please do it's it's such a like like it's opened my eyes in terms of like what what he's saying and it's really crazy you know when you read something and then you hear it from someone it's it's different it creates this kind of atmosphere i mean I'm very terrible at writing, so it's like not the worst, but I, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm no Shakespeare over here, so it's, it's hard for me to get my ideas across on paper, but I'm, I'm, I think I'm above average in terms of speaking ability, but then there's people. Yeah, I agree. The people, there's people who have that verbal, like it's they, they've sharpened it to a, a T, and I think, of, I'm gonna send you his stuff, and it's like the sharpest thing he speaks. Like, I don't know what half the words he's saying sometimes. Sometimes I have to look them up. And I'm like, okay, this guy's <laughs> making a little sense. And he, you know, he doesn't, you know, put it into simple terms. But he also doesn't make it too complicated. And I think that's something. And, you know, I've never watched a lecture series that I actually wanted to listen to. Like, I look forward to whatever he talks about. And it's interesting to me. Um, of course, there's ideas I disagree with him on. And everyone has that. But it's always... It's always interesting to find that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I always, I always find chatting with you uh, a pleasure. I don't know. Me too. It's like so great to be able to connect with someone on the other side of the world about such important issues, and oh, I love it every single time. It's so great. Well, yeah, I got. I'll let you go, and uh, oh, this was a wonderful episode talking to you. I mean, I mean. I think we got into a lot of philosophy this time, so hope people. Yeah, and if anyone out there is interested in perhaps having a dualist versus you know materialist debate, let's do it. Oh, you just threw the gauntlet! All right. 
Yeah, I did it. I did. Oh, that would be so interesting. I love having debates in class. So to have one in a podcast format would actually be so interesting. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about that, like having like, I don't know, like. Maybe. Make it make it a reality. Let's do it. Uh, I don't know. I, I just, you know, I've I've done, uh, I don't know how many people it is like, but it's just, there's at a point where it just becomes like rubble. Like people are just like, if you have five, I don't know what the number that is, but there's like a certain point where it's just like, we're just not, we're not discussing it. We're just arguing. Right. You know, that's true. We need to have very, anyone out there not interested in just having a go at me, but anyone who's going to bring forth a really structured argument, will have time to prepare it, we'll have our main arguments, like a legitimate structured debate. That'd be so great. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it was wonderful talking to you again. It's, uh, I mean, you I, too. I, lo- I love your philosophical ideas. And of course, you know, your videos are Likewise. amazing as well. So. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. So keep up the great the great work, and I, I hope hope everyone likes that. And, of course, you can uh, find Isadora on Instagram and uh, all other social media, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> thank you so much. All right. Bye.